I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode three freaking hundred. Holy shit. Remember when it was episode 100 and we were like, oh my God, we've done a hundred episodes. Right. Yeah. And it was like all these creepsters sent us cards and stuff because mm-hmm. we had done a hundred episodes and it was like, what? I know. This is the most I've ever stuck with anything in my life. It's literally the only relationship in my life longer than this podcast is Candy Crush. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Although this month is mine and Colby's four year anniversary. <sighs> like from starting dating, talking everything. Yeah, that's so wild. It feels like forever, but then just last year. Seems like 2020 and 2021 were non-existent. Yeah. So it feels like it's been maybe two years. But like when you look back, it's like, holy shit, we have had so much life together. Yes. I lost my dad. You lost your dad. He was there for that. And then lost a dog, got a dog. All kinds of shit. Yeah. Lord. Life is gonna life. So update on the ornament counter. Oh my gosh. We're up to eight ornaments now. Oh my gosh. Well, just so y'all know, so she will be in the mountains when this should have been recorded. So we're doing it early. And I mean, the last possible day we could have recorded. Yeah. But we're doing it early. (laughs) And the ornament count has went up since last night. (laughs) No, no, no. We recorded two days ago. Oh, okay. Sorry. Two days. We're recording now on Saturday. We recorded on Thursday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, one earring. One Christmas earring. Oh, no. So last night I was laying in bed and Colby went to shower and he picked up his wash rag from the counter and like knocked an earring off. And he was like, oh, like literally like naked in the shower. He's like, I'll get that in a minute. And when he came back, it was gone. He was like, where'd the earring go? (laughs) I'm like, what earring are you talking about? And it's like a dollar Shein. It says Merry Christmas, like acrylic earring, you know. And he's like, he had to have eaten it. I was like, no. He's like, did he leave the room? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And he goes in the living room and finds it like shattered. He comes back. He's like, he ate the earring. Oh, my God. Why does Jax hate Christmas? (laughs) I don't know. I'm like. I don't know. But you know what, though? He ate some ornaments off of the Halloween tree, too. Just a little bit, though. Yeah, he didn't do the Halloween tree as much as he does the Christmas. Because your Halloween is more wooden. Right. Well, he does eat some wooden Christmas ones, too. I just wonder, though, if they're just so sparkly. (laughs) He's like me. Loves glitter. Loves all the things. He's like, gotta have it, gotta have it. Well, because the earrings that he ate were red glitter. (laughs) so maybe he doesn't like glitter well maybe he actually loves it and that's why he destroys it true because he's trying to just like get it yeah god that damn dog (laughs) having said that if you were really wanting to know what happened during the mountains we don't know yet so you have to wait a whole nother week and then we'll get the lowdown i know that this is what i can tell you we ate we drank we sloshed around the jacuzzi (laughs) I was going to say, instead of an ornament counter, it's going to be how many times they had sex and where. (laughs) Well, we've already kicked off the vacation once, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) We haven't left yet, but, you know. So, one. (laughs) (laughs) I've also decided that I am that super annoying person about Christmas movies. Oh, I mean, just, you could have left off the Christmas movie part. I'm that super annoying person. Yes. Period. No, because the past two days at work, we've been putting it on freeform in the gym because it's Christmas movies. And Home Alone is played a lot, like 
Home Alone 1 and 2 has played both days. And I just love those movies so much. And I love like the random trivia about it. And I haven't shut up about it. And I'm like, girl, you've got to <laughs> stop talking about Home Alone. <laughs> like you really have to stop. It's a problem. <laughs> you know, I did see on TikTok though, when they're like all trying to like clean off the kitchen or something like that. Girl, yes, the boarding pass. Yes. <laughs> That's last year's news. I was on TikTok last year. Okay, well, let me let her finish because I totally interrupted her. No, well, that's it. I mean, the dad. Yes. The dad, like, throws away something, but in the trash, you can see it's got Kevin's name on it. It's Kevin's boarding pass. Yeah. Yeah. It's when Kevin and Buzz get in the fight and they knock over, like, all the drinks. And so the milk and the Pepsi flies and the uncle's pizza and all of that. And so they're cleaning (laughs) up the milk with the red napkins. Mm -hmm. And then when he like scoops it up, he but why was Kevin's boarding pass just by itself right there? Like nobody else has gotten messed up. (laughs) But it's like a pivotal plot line that nobody saw until like 30 years later. Yeah. Tarantula was real. They couldn't do the animatronic for it. I do know that. Joe Pesci had a really hard time making the film because he couldn't say the F-bombs. Like a funny way. Like So like he had a hard time coming up with you know, all the sounds and stuff that he made. That's funny. Because he cusses so bad in every movie. He's he's always like a mafia guy. That's me on the daily, though. Like, I will drop an F-bomb all the time, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. But I will say that my work is fucking amazing because you can say whatever you want. Like, you can say, I mean, nothing harassment, you know, none of that. But you can be like, this is fucking amazing. Or this is damn hard. You can say that. People say it, you know? So I'm like, yay. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. No, I feel like we have said that with our VP of support, but he like one of us, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say that to the, you know. President? Yeah. Three weeks later, Donna's in HR. (laughs) (laughs) Also back to home alone. (laughs) You know the little talk boy that he uses in Home Alone 2 that he, like, the reason why he misses the plane is because he's trying to put batteries in his little recorder thing that he uses? Okay, so I don't remember a whole lot about, is that lost in New York? Yeah, so he uses a little handheld recorder, it was called a talk boy, to, like, record his uncle in the shower, and he's like, cool whip, or whatever, and then he's like, get out of here, you little pervert! <laughs> and that's the recording he <laughs> uses. Sounded like him. <laughs> and that's the recording that he uses... In the hotel to get, what's his name that played in Rocky Horror? Tim Curry. Yeah, we're on the first name, but Tim. We mentioned like Tim. <laughs> like we're on the first name. Anyway, so that little recording device was literally just a prop that they made for the movie. It was not an actual toy. So then it became an actual toy because of the movie. Oh, shit. And they made a talk boy and a talk girl. Oh. I know, girl. I'm telling you. I love freaking movie trivia. <laughs> but like Christmas movie trivia. Well, now that I'm done talking about my Home Alone trivia, we got to talk about Patreoners. Thank you so much, Brandy C. from Texas. And Emma H. from Missouri. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. Look, Emma and Brady are getting an extra episode a freaking week. So if you are coming in and you're like, man, I'm catching up. I need some more content. Join Patreon. There is a huge backlog. We've been doing Patreon since like episode 20. So as many episodes as there are, there's that on Patreon. You're going to take a long time to run out of content. And we do have some real winners called Shitwater. But then there's like extra 
like actual episodes. Yes. But we do have what we call extra slices. Like if there's just something that was too long to leave in the episode of just like our nonsense or just some, well, shit water story that we got to (laughs) share. But seriously, the bloopers are amazing. You know what? I was talking to Tiffany and I'm not going to cry, but I was talking to Tiffany and I was like, it's so sweet, like listeners reaching out about Marbu. And I was like, I mean, she was there from the beginning of the podcast. And I was like, hello, the whole Wally R word story. And I'm like, Marley, get off of me. Yes. Because I thought she was an R word <laughs> on the back. <laughs> A very large one. <laughs> well, if you want all of this good, good that we're talking about, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Man, we are drawing names at work to exchange gifts. And I drew my coworker's name that I wanted to draw because I had such ideas for her gifts. Not that I'm like, oh, I want, you know what I mean? Like, I love everybody. But I was like, I know what I want to get her. She's going to be so easy for me. Yeah. I ordered her gifts and they're on the way. And the literal like day after I ordered her gifts, I found out that we redrew names at work because they added a couple of people. I don't have her name anymore. Yeah, like, what about that? I feel like that's an announcement that they need to make. I was like, why was a text not sent out? But also, why were you so on the ball? (laughs) Because I was so excited to draw her name because I knew what I wanted to get her. Yeah. So stay tuned because she listens to the podcast and I can't ruin the surprise. So stay tuned because I'll probably give it to her next week. Because I'm still giving her these damn gifts. (laughs) You know who's the hardest person to shop for? My mother. You. I said that the other day. I was like, I have literally turned into my mother. Like, I was looking on websites going, gifts for her to think about what to even put on my wish list. Like, I cannot think of anything. Well, and I feel like, too, because we're all older, so it is like, Things that are more expensive. Yes. So it's not just like little things. But see, I love candles and stuff. Uh, and you're like, meh. Like, I mean, Colby likes it more than you. I was going to say, Colby loves the candles. So you could get them for me because he would love it. Yeah. But like, you're just like, meh. Like, it's so hard to think about what you would want. Yeah. I know. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> no, it really is. Like, I've decided that I'm like, fuck, I've been giving my mom's shit all these years about being so hard to shop for. But... <laughs> I'm fucking her. And I mean, like, when we really pay attention to what you say, and we what take it time? in. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've, I've told y'all this before, but I have a constant note in my phone. So anytime anybody says anything, I put it in my phone. Well, I hope it doesn't turn out like it turned out for me. If y'all remember, she's talking about that Tumblr that She got me and Tiffany got her one and it was like a wine glass inside of a Tervis tumbler. And when she opened it, I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. (laughs) Cue cut to my very next gift is me one. Yeah. But it all came from a Halloween party that we were outside and she was having her like wine glass. And she was like, God, I wish there was a way that I could set it down and it wouldn't spill out. I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And that's like, this is how long ago it was. Because now I know, like, shit, like, they have, like, the wine tumblers that are smaller and all the things. But this was, like, the first prototype of the fucking wine glass in the tumbler. Well, here's my thing, too, is that I don't drink wine very often. But when I do, I'm a little bit of a snob in that it's got to be in a glass glass. 
Like it's got to be in a glass wine glass or it's not as good to me. Again, she is the hardest person to shop for. (laughs) It is so true because I don't really drink. So you can't like get me alcohol. We still have like good tequila that we got on our cruise that we've never opened. (laughs) Why the fuck did we buy that? Impulse buy. Yeah. It's so hard. And like, I was even thinking you like that one cent for perfume. So it's not even like to buy more because you only want that one thing and you still have a shit ton of it. Oh, yeah, because I don't. Well, I can't really. You're not, you know, when you're in the medical field, you're not really supposed to wear perfume to work because people could be allergic to it and it could bother them. So I don't wear it to work. Can't wear it around my mom because she's allergic, i.e. why people in healthcare shouldn't wear perfume. And it's lasted me. Colby got me that, what, two years ago? (laughs) And there's like. (laughs) So it's just like everything that you could get as little stocking stuffers. You know what you could get you? Chapstick, like lip balm. But, but I'm also particular. But you're very particular. <laughs> yes. Like it would have to be the kind you like. I don't know what Crepe Mom knew, but she got that one. Wait, that w- I googled it. It's called um, <laughs> shit. Hold on, Rebels Refinery is the brand, and it was in a, like a skull case. Like you know how you have that. What is it? Eos. Yeah, it's like that, but instead of in like an egg, it's in a skull. It was so cute, and I freaking love it. And it's. So close to almost being gone. And I'm like, no, I'm almost out. (laughs) I did look at that to try to put that on my Amazon wish list. Oh, like seriously. And that, she likes that one and she loves Academies. Do I? Yes. You said it was at the checkout or whatever. And you're like, it was from Academies. And it was good? You said you liked it. See, this is what I'm talking about. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. I do like the chapstick total hydration too. The green one. You know what I do put on my wish list every year? Fake beauty blenders. Like mm, a little because pa- I yeah. very rarely wear makeup, so those last me through the year. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, literally, I'm almost out. Like I was thinking, God, I really need to change my beauty blender. It's not the real deal because the real deal is like 20 bucks and I'm want like a pack of six for five. So yeah. <laughs> uh it's definitely not the real one. Cause they almost had me on Amazon. They had like a um, a little ad while you're looking for it. You know how to have the little videos playing? Yeah. And the real beauty blender, they cut it in half and there was like no foundation that had seeped through to the middle. And it had like a cheaper version. It sucked all that foundation. And I was like, ooh, I should get the real. Oh, no, I shouldn't get the real. That's too Mm-mm, expensive. Too expensive. Now, meanwhile, me, easy to shop for. You really are. Like, so easy. Earrings, <laughs> loves them. Uh-huh. Is that all you got all for me? <laughs> any, like you said, candles, any scent thing. Mm-hmm. Like you reminded me of a dog when they're like. Little shirts. Like little like writing shirts. Uh-huh. You like that kind of stuff. That is the worst description. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. But graphic tees. Yeah. <laughs> but not yes. like graphic tees. Yeah. I mean, if it's from Torrid, Old Navy, or Target, I will love it. But even like pens or yes, you know, notebooks. You uh-huh. love like little journals. Well, you know what journals I've went out of. Okay, but like you used to keep all your notes for work in them. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So we went to our salvage store, and remember we bought all those things that yes. we we put our Patreoners in. Yeah, I still have like six of those. So, but uh, that's what okay, I go okay. through. But I'm yeah, I've already used one for my new job. So I'll go to a second one and keep going. But yeah, I do write down a lot of things. 
but not like today, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you don't use it as like a journal. And I want to be a planner person, Mm -hmm. but look, I, like I said, we're doing this on the last day possible before she leaves tomorrow. And like, I just procrastinate. Mm -hmm. I used to do that college. I would get the planner, like the school year planner from the bookstore. And I would go through all of my syllabi and I would write down every quiz, every paper due, every test, every due date. And then I would panic look at it four times. Right. And go, did I miss an assignment? And I would like my stomach would hurt trying to open it to see if I missed an assignment because I procrastinate, you know, don't keep up and didn't go to class. Yep. Oh, also, I love shit like tumblers. Yes, you do. And I'm like, I love coffee cups and tumblers, but I have no more room in my cabinet. Yeah. I mean, no more room. I can go up, but I can't reach them then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I literally purged some and Carrie has them. Uh, literally using one right now. Yeah. I love the one that she's using. She was like, we probably will never use it. And she uses it all the time. <laughs> it's Colby's favorite. He's like, why are you using my cup? <laughs> <laughs> this cup. And there's a little fake Yeti that he got in a golf tournament for like a little coffee cup. And it is so little. Like it just holds the largest size on a Keurig. Like it just holds that. And I took it to work one day and everybody's like, oh my God, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Because it's so cute. (laughs) And he said, when we were getting ready for this trip, he goes, and I brought my coffee cup that you stole from me. He said, (laughs) I found it and I took some coffee to work on the very first cold day and I kept it in my locker. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I have so many, I didn't even know it was gone. Right. Yeah. But if it's there, she's going to use it. Right. Out of sight, out of mind. Meanwhile, he only drinks coffee when it's cold. I do not understand that. Like, I would get a headache. Like, if I started drinking coffee because, oh, it's cold outside. Let me make me a little cup of coffee. And I started doing that all of winter. I would have such a headache if I just stopped because it got warm. Well, but he drinks Cokes. True. Yeah. You write about that. Yeah. Y'all are so to people. I really am. And it hurts my bladder. Why do I do that to myself? <laughs> you know what? I had Sonic. I know you hated because we all know like that led to her near-death experience with the... I don't know that we've ever told him that that's where I... Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> we don't know for sure, for sure that's where. Don't sue us, Sonic. <laughs> but it was right after I ate that that yeah. I got the food poisoning. But it wasn't the one in our town. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but I went there and I got an ocean water and I was like, God, I haven't had one of these in forever. Which it's like literally just Sprite and something else. Powerade, isn't it? Is it? Blue okay. Powerade, I think. Um, but it's With so a little good. coconut, I think. Yeah. Because uh, that's what it kind of tastes like. It's coconut. Yeah. Well, but I just recently learned out it was Sprite, like was the main thing. You learned out? I- <laughs> <laughs> Found out. Um, <laughs> I did not learn to speak great. Oh my god! Anyway, like, what, what is she trying to say? Learned out, oh, found out, and learned. Got it. <laughs> but I had it last night, and I ate so much <laughs> at Sonic. You can't just get like one thing, okay? Because I like so many different things. So it's like I got a corn dog. I got um, the barbecue chicken nuggets, and I got a blast. Nice. Uh, but I also got an ocean water because I wanted it. That is what was on my stomach and my chest so much. Yeah. And I could just feel the carbonation. Yeah. And I was like, I don't drink carbonation. No, you don't. So that's it. Because, like, I mean, I drink sweet tea when I'm out, mm-hmm. at, you know, whatever. 
But it's like, no, the carbonation was so... Hurt your chest. Yes. Because my body's used to it being overloaded with the food. (laughs) Cut to the episode that we had nothing to talk about, but we have talked about so much useless shit. I know. Everybody's like, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I'm sorry. Sorry. I just thought of those TikToks where it's like two people walking and it's like, we're blah, blah, blah. We're gonna da-da-da-da-da. Have you seen those? So it'll be like, we're deeks. We're going to spend our money on blah, blah, blah. And, or it'll be like, we're an interracial couple. We're going to yada, yada, yada. Or it'll say like, those are the kind of ones I've seen. Or we work in healthcare. Or we're women in engineering. We're going to get told blah, 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 blah. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well, anyway. So. Did I'll, you say dinks? Yeah. Double income, no kids. Oh. And then there's dink wides. Double income, no kid with a dog. Oh, that's y'all. Yeah. So what's me? Just poor? (laughs) What I was going to say, we're big girls. We're going to talk about fast food on our podcast. (laughs) Much to Carrie's dismay. Chagrin. All right. Well, before we get into my story, finally, we got to talk about tushy. Look, sometimes taking a dump is pretty relaxing, but then you got to wipe. And no one wants to do it, okay? That's a shitty job. You're literally just spreading your shit around. Like, that's all you're doing. So you got to give yourself the ultimate clean and turn your bathroom into your personal oasis with refreshing stream of clean water from Hello Tushy Bidet. Let's just be honest. How Carrie said we're big girls and we're going to talk about fast food. Well, uh, we're also going to talk about that. It's just easier to use a bidet than to wipe all the time, too. For real. And y'all, I'm telling you, I'm so spoiled with my Hello Tushy bidet that I hate going to the bathroom anywhere else because I need my Hello Tushy bidet. So her and Colby were over at my house for, you know, the reason we're not going to ever talk about again. And they both used my bathroom because Mm -hmm. that's the one that has the Hello Tushy bidet on it. And no other ones do. So they were like both going to that bathroom. And it's like, because that's what they prefer. And it's just so much cleaner. And if you're like I was at first, you're like, how in the world does a bidet work? Like, you're not so sure because you're like, is that giving dirty water? All the things. That's not how a bidet works. The Hello Tushy bidet is super easy to set up. You can set it up in less than eight minutes. You don't need to be a plumber, an electrician, because, well, there's no electricity hooked up to it because, hello, it's water. That's a disaster. But you don't need to be a plumber to hook this up. All you do is hook in the attachment to your existing toilet. It's clean water that comes out of the bidet to help clean you. The patented self-cleaning smart spray and build-up resistant design helps to prevent the attachment from any grime buildup, and it even has antimicrobial knobs to help, you know, clean your toilet even easier. Also, you don't just have to go number two to use the bidet because they have it where you can adjust the stream. So even when you're peeing, you can just move that knob up a little bit and it's going to hit that spot Sometimes the spot. But seriously, you can use it for both instances. Don't think that a bidet is only for number two. Oh, I use it every single time I sit on the toilet. I do not feel clean if I do not use a bidet. 
But for real, like Donna said, they have a precision nozzle adjuster on the Hello Tushy bidet that offers a targeted stream to help provide effective yet gentle cleaning that is two times better than wiping alone. But don't just take our word for it. Try out the Hello Tushy bidet because it comes with a 30-day hassle-free return and a 12-month warranty. Join the over 1 million real pooping humans who have made the switch. Hello Tushy is offering y'all, our listeners, an exclusive limited time offer of 15% off your first bidet order plus free shipping. Go to hellotushy.com forward slash creep for 15% off all bidets. That is again hellotushy.com and enter code creep at checkout. And don't forget, Tushy offers a wide variety of products, including a Tushy Ottoman that gives you the ultimate pooping posture, a Tushy toilet brush that has biodegradable coconut husk, scrubbing pads, and plenty more. So head on over to hellotushy.com slash creep for 15% off all bidets. There's even a Tushy travel bidet when you gotta go on the go. All right, my story this week is a recommendation from Kelly H. in the Facebook group. We're talking about Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. There was an article on Crime Library by Mark Gribben that was, I mean, chef's kiss. Good job, Mark. And I use that a good bit. <laughs> okay, so Alton Coleman was born November 6, 1955. Blah, 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 blah. We don't care. We hate him. God bless. I want to know the dates. Okay, so Allison Coleman was born November 6, 1955, in Illinois. Thank you. So his mom was what seems like a single mom. She was working like three jobs to make shit happen. So he lived with his grandmother. He was only about half an hour away from Chicago, which like where he was raised, just to kind of give you an idea of where in Illinois, because I don't know how to say it. Wakugian. Okay. Now, Alton had a really hard time in school. He was teased relentlessly because he wet his pants, so they called him uh, Pissy. That is not nice, but accurate. <laughs> if you could have seen Donna trying to not giggle. <laughs> but I, I'm okay with that because we hate him. But no, seriously, you shouldn't do that to him. Yes, anyone. don't. I mean, because clearly he ends up, turns out being really terrible and the trauma that people go through in childhood has an effect. So stop making fun of people. Yes. So Alton actually dropped out of school in middle school. And a lot of stuff says that he seems to have a lower IQ. A lot of the articles use the R word. So we're definitely not going to use that. But so I don't know if it was like just like an intellectual disability or just like I, I don't really know what was going on. But later on, he actually got diagnosed with some pretty heavy uh, mental health stuff like a personality disorder with antisocial, narcissistic, and obsessive features, and then borderline personality disorder. And then it said that he had epilepsy too. So from a very young age, he had a bit of a reputation because, again, you got to remember he was born in 1955. And it is said that he was bisexual and that would pretty much have sex with anyone, any place, anytime. Like, it, he was very, very sexually active, and people would have obviously have problems with that because we're talking the 60s, 70s, and 
he's bisexual. And so that created some problems. In the article that Mark Gribben wrote, he talked about that sometimes Alton would dress in women's clothing. And so that, of course, caused more problems for him as well. Shouldn't. But in this day and time, it did. And hell, even today, still, it probably would because people are dicks. He started out young, being well-known by police because he would just try to create chaos. Like he would go through in the housing projects and like break people's windows. So he was just known from police at the beginning as being a troublemaker. He sounds like the Tokolosh from my other story, like wreaking havoc, Mm -hmm. high sexual appetite, all the things. Now, Alton was really good at talking to people, so he could get away with anything. In 1983, his sister actually told police that he had tried to rape her eight-year-old daughter. And then just three weeks after that, she went to court and was like, it was a misunderstanding. Families go through stuff. It's fine. Like, it was just a misunderstanding. And the judge was like, I think that you are terrified of him. I think that this actually happened, but there's nothing I can do if I have no victim and no charges and no witness and all of that. So they had to let it go. So was that... Like your example of him being able to talk people out of things? Kind of. I mean, obviously, he probably scared the shit out of his his sister. But there were other times that he had been arrested for just like petty stuff. And if it would go to trial, he would kind of schmooze when he would get put on the stand. And so people would be like, he's such a nice boy. He couldn't do that kind of thing. But in 1973, he actually raped an elderly woman and robbed her. But she would not testify about the rape, so he only got two years in prison for the robbery. Then, after he was released, after that serving that time for the robbery, three months later, he raped another woman and was arrested for that. He ended up getting acquitted, but did have to serve a little time for basically the same thing, like a little, a lesser charge, but not the rape. Just know, though, that this happened multiple times where he would be arrested for a rape or an attempted rape, and then he either would be acquitted or the charges would be dismissed. But cue to him meeting Deborah Brown. Now, Deborah Brown was one of 11 children. It's said that she was, like, quote, borderline intellectually disabled. That's how Wikipedia described her, but everything else used the R word to describe her. She had had a head trauma when she was a kid so that could explain her you know cognitive deficits but she was later diagnosed with dependent personality disorder so you can see why she would be the perfect con basically for alton do you know like the symptoms or the behaviors of a dependent so according to wikipedia dependent personality disorder they tend to look to other people to meet their emotional and physical needs, which, duh. But they also have a lot of fear and anxiety that can make them very passive, feeling a lot of helplessness and not wanting relationships to end. They'll avoid responsibilities and they have severe submission. And so Wikipedia also says that people who have a history of neglect and abuse are more susceptible to dependent personality disorder. 
which can obviously make sense. But no, I'd never heard of that personality disorder either. Deborah was about 10 years younger than him. And when they met, I, I never really found how they met or how this all came about. But we do know that she was engaged to somebody else when she met him in 1983 and left everybody to be with him. But the two of them went on a murderous spree that had everybody in their communities and across multiple states terrified. So Kelly, when she recommended this story, she said at one point they were reported to be in the east end of Toledo, which was only miles from where she lived, and that they had to keep all the windows and the doors locked. We weren't allowed outside unless her dad was home with his gun to keep them safe. She said that they were glued to the TV, hoping that they would be caught just so they could go swimming. Gosh, that's freaking sad. Terrifying. Because, you know, you're a kid and you want to do your summer things. And it's yeah. like there's this these two people who are going around and raping and murdering people. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Now, most of their victims were black. And Alton and Deborah are black as well. And so... It seems like they kind of stayed into black neighborhoods because it was a place that they could fit in more and not be as noticed. So when you're on the run because you are, you know, uh, on a murder spree, you need to do things to help you not stand out. So the first murder that we know of for Alton and Deborah, they killed nine-year-old Vernita Wheat. Nine years old? Oh, yeah. So what they did was... Alton, in his suave demeanor, would befriend people and then would either like they'd rob them, rape them and kill them. Like it wasn't always the same MO, but he would really, you know, use his people skills, his street skills to befriend someone to get what they wanted from them. So that's what he did. He befriended Juanita Wheat, who was Vernita's mother, but he abducted Vernita on May 29th of 1984. Her body was later found in June, severely decomposed in an abandoned building just four blocks from Alton's grandmother's house, and she had been raped, and the cause of death was strangulation. Oh, my gosh. Now, they say that this was kind of where it all started, and I don't really know how much Deborah was involved in that one, but... That's kind of when he felt the heat of this murder and people kind of knew it was him and they took off. So the first murder happened in Wisconsin. Then cut to June of 84, Alton and Deborah are in Gary, Indiana. That's when they find nine-year-old Annie Turks and her niece, seven-year-old Tamika Turks. So they both sexually assault both of the kids. But the nine-year-old Annie actually survives. She was found later that day, beaten and raped, but Tamika was still missing. Later, Tamika's body was eventually found, and this is pretty gruesome, so if you need to skip forward, skip forward. Tamika had been raped and murdered by someone stomping her chest. Like, how can you do that to a kid? I know. And Annie was forced to watch them as they killed Tamika. It said that Alton was literally jumping on her chest until her ribs fractured and punctured her organ. Oh, my God. I, oh. 
So it's said that Annie, to this day, still has a lot of headaches, and they call it screaming fits, because of the torture that she endured at the hands of Alton and Deborah. Oh, my gosh. Like, honestly, this is going to sound trivial, because it is, but, like, I just know when Marley would, like, jump on me and, like, her paw would go into, like, my breast area, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, right between my boobs, it would hurt so bad, you know, and, like, I'm just thinking that. Mm-hmm. Versus a teeny tiny body and a grown fucking man. Yeah, like, I, like that, all, that really makes me just, like, so fucking sad to think about. Like, I mean, any kind of death is terrible, but that is just so fucking brutal. Well, the same day that Tamika's body was found, a woman named Donna Williams, who was 25, was reported missing. Also, now it makes sense that Kelly and her family, like, they all stayed inside because it didn't matter. No. Young, old, whatever. So, like, it really was like, no, we're all staying inside because none of us are safe. Right. Well, and... You know, some stuff calls him like a disorganized serial killer because of that. Like his victims, there was no rhyme or reason. It was always a victim of opportunity. And I think that that's the case with Donna because her car was stolen as well. So after she went missing on June 19th, her body was found on July 11th, decomposed and in Detroit, Michigan, only about a half a mile away from where they found her body. Now, she, too, had been raped and killed by strangulation. So I really think for her, they needed her car, so they carjacked her. But, oh, you know what? While we're here, let's rape and fucking murder her because they are two of the worst people to ever walk this earth. So now we've got multiple states of multiple people looking to figure out where Alton and Deborah are. Because in Donna Williams' car, they found an identification card is what they're calling it. So I don't know if it's just like a fake driver's license or what. But it was Deborah Brown's picture with like a different name and stuff. So they know it was them. Now, two days after Donna went missing, there was another woman in Detroit that had been kidnapped. And she actually survived. Now, I don't know this woman's name, but she was kidnapped. And the only way that she was able to survive was because she intentionally wrecked her car into oncoming traffic. Now, we do know on July 28th that Alton and Deborah went into the home of, well, this is what they say on Wikipedia, Mr. and Mrs. Palmer Jones in Michigan. And they beat the couple and stole money in their car and then even like ripped the telephone off of the wall so that they couldn't call for help. On July 5th, the two of them head to Ohio, where, same thing, befriended this woman named Virginia Temple, and all of a sudden, she's not talking to her friends and family anymore, so they go to try to check out what's going on, and when they get to her house, they see all of her kids at home alone, terrified, and they find that Virginia and her nine-year-old daughter, Rochelle, had both been strangled to death and left in a crawl space. What the actual fuck? So from there, they broke into multiple houses, stealing money, you know, tying the people up, doing all the things in order to get some money for them to go on the run. 
On July 12th, Tony Story, who was just a 15-year-old girl, she disappeared. After about eight days, her body was found. Now, a bracelet that had been stolen from Virginia Temple was actually found under Tony Story's body. So it's like these are the things that are connecting the dots for police to know all of these things are connected. So the pair stole another car from Harry Walters and his wife Marlene, but that wasn't enough. They had to rape and beat Marlene to death. Now, Harry survived and was able to tell the police what happened and how they, you know, how this interaction came because Alton Coleman had come up like he was going to buy this camper that they had for sale. And that's how all of this started with their interaction with Harry and Marlene. Marlene had been bludgeoned to death 20 to 25 times. Like, it's just so much overkill. Yes, that's what I was going to say on all of these. And it's just like, why? If you wanted their car, just carjack them. I mean, don't. But right, but just I mean, do that and leave them alone. Right. Well, so they had broken a bottle, like a Coke bottle. And Alton's fingerprints were found on that bottle at the crime scene. And then there was bloody footprints, but it was two different pairs. So they were able to know like, okay, if and when they catch them, Deborah can't just be like, oh, I was scared. No, like you were part of this. You were there when Marlene was raped and murdered because it shows you walking away. Yeah. So they had stolen Harry Walter's car. And two days later, that car was found in Kentucky. So we've done Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan. This is like a four-state crime spree. And this happens over like 53 days. So they found the Plymouth car abandoned in Kentucky. This is where the pair had kidnapped Olene Carmichael Jr. Now, I hope that I'm saying that name correctly. This was a college professor, and they kidnapped him and drove back to Ohio with him locked in the trunk. Just let him go. Why are you keeping him locked in the trunk? But just a few days later, they ditch the car in Dayton and leave him in the trunk. And luckily, he was able to be rescued by police or he would have died in the fucking trunk. Yeah, that's torturous. You it know? is. And they're, they're able to be days ahead. So, like, just let him go. Like, even if he goes literally straight to the police, you're still ahead. Yeah. One of the last murders that we know, they stole a car in Indianapolis and killed 75-year-old Eugene Scott. Now, as far as how the pair was caught, I saw a couple of different stories. I saw that they were in Evanston, and this was on, like, July 20th. Now, some stuff said they were like sitting there watching like a pickup game of basketball and they were recognized. But Wikipedia said that a guy driving by saw them because he was from the same neighborhood as Alton and was like, wait, that's Alton and Deborah. And that he went to a gas station and called police. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine him seeing that and like, oh, my God, I got to get to this gas station. Now, Wikipedia does say that some people saw them sitting on some bleachers and reported them. So I think it was probably just a combination of like a few people recognizing them because 
they had made it to like the FBI's top 10 most wanted. Like this was very well known. Like this was in the news. Like this was not just like a, hey, they're on this crime spree. No, like he's on the top 10 FBI most wanted. Yeah. It's also so scary to think about how many states they were in and you didn't know where they were going to pop up next. Right. Well, the two actually were taken in without incident. Like they just, you know, kind of started leaving the area and plainclothes cops started walking up to them and stopped them and they were taken without incident. Now, when they were searched, Alton had a steak knife like tucked in his sock and Deborah had a gun, but they were taken without incident. Wow. So once they caught them, though, it's like, okay, where do we go from here? Like who tries them? And for what? So they were like, okay, obviously, we're going to go to the places that have the harshest punishment for the things that they did. Now, after the pair was arrested, there was some issues with Deborah. So like this comes up later as everything kind of goes to trial and all. But so when she was arrested, they read her her Miranda rights and she was like, I want an attorney. They did ask her stuff like your name, age, date of birth, just like basic stuff. But when she said, you know, she won't see attorney, they stopped asking her questions. But when they transferred her to Chicago, like to go into federal custody, she was given her rights and all of that. But she was like, okay, I'll talk. But like when I say I'm ready to stop, I'm going to stop. And they're like, okay. So over the next two and a half hours, she tells them everything. After she finished, she's like, okay, I want an attorney. And they're like, okay. And they get her an attorney. Now, her attorney says like, wait, y'all violated her rights by asking her all these questions. Well, the courts ended up saying like, actually, no, we didn't because she changed custody. So it was like a different, essentially, jurisdiction asking her questions. And she was read her Miranda rights both times. And it's something like with the amount of time and like essentially like change of venue because she started even talking to them in the car. Like she started asking questions and because she was the one asking the questions, it opened the door for them to start interrogating her. She did it to herself. So long story short, Deborah Brown was actually sentenced to death for the murder of Tamika Turks. Now, Alton actually got convicted of the same murders because she got convicted to death for some murders in Cincinnati as well. But Alton got convicted for those as well and got the death penalty. But in 1991, the governor of Ohio commuted Deborah's death sentence, saying that because of her intellectual disability and being dominated by Alton, she shouldn't be put to death. So she's actually serving life sentences. And by the way, they were convicted for Tony Story's murder and Marlene Walters, but not for Virginia and Rachel Temple. They did both get sentenced to 20 years in prison for kidnapping Olene Carmichael, too. Now, there are some of these deaths that they are not ever going to be tried for. And unfortunately, the families are never going to get the full details of what happened because it's never going to go to trial. But basically, you know, with Deborah, 
the governor was like, look, she's got an IQ score ranging from 59 to 74. She was in the control of Alton. That's why he felt like he needed to commute her sentence. And the fact that she had no violent history before she was with Alton, that kind of helped them decide that. But from what I can find, she's still alive and she is serving her sentence in Dayton Correctional Institution in Dayton, Ohio. And in 2005, she actually finally apologized to the families for what she did. Now, Alton, on the other hand, like I said, he was convicted and given the death penalty. And they did carry out his death sentence on April 26th of 2002. His last words were reciting Psalm 23, the like, the Lord is my shepherd, over and over and over again. And his last meal, listen to this. I always like to know their last meal. I know that's probably weird, but I really like to know it. Filet mignon with sauteed mushrooms, fried chicken, cornbread, biscuits and brown gravy, french fries, broccoli with cheese, salad and french dressing, onion rings, collard greens, sweet potato pie with whipped cream, butter pecan ice cream, and a cherry Coke. Good God. He was 46 years old when he was sentenced to death. I feel like you and him have a lot of similarities with your taste buds. Maybe just a cherry Coke. Yeah, I was like, um, I hate mushrooms. Was a chicken on a bone? I don't like French dressing. I don't like collard greens. I don't like sweet potato pie. I don't like butter pecan ice cream. Oh, I thought you did like butter pecan ice cream. No. That must be Tiffany. Because my mom did. And ugh, I'm like, yeah, fine. Get what you want. But that's nasty. Yes. But Tiffany liked it too. Oh, no. I just feel so sorry for all of these families that they don't have full closure. Yeah. Because, I mean... It's like from the financial side, I can understand why they didn't try him for all of these other crimes. But it's like, I just feel so sorry for the families that don't get that closure. Yeah, they were really terrible humans. Oh, this was a really, I mean, I can completely understand why, like you said, Kelly's family was so terrified being in that area. Yeah. Because like you said, who knew where they were going to pop up and when? And they were just stealing people's cars and and killing them. Like, just steal the car. Like, I mean, obviously don't commit a crime at all, but like, just steal the car. Mm -hmm. You don't have to rape and murder the person. You don't have to lock them in a fucking trunk. Like, just take the fucking car. Take their money. Take whatever. Like, take their tangible stuff. Because I'm sure they would gladly give you that to save their lives. Yes. It's like, they literally had no conscience. It's always so hard because you hear about these terrible things that these people do. But then, you know, we've heard a little bit of their backstory and, you know, they weren't treated the best and all of that. But it's like, that doesn't give you a pass to be a terrible human. We say this all the time. Everybody has some sort of trauma in their lives. And sometimes the trauma that people have endured is way worse than these people who go on to murder. And it's like, at some point, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. Yes, you went through trauma. Yes, you were relentlessly teased. And yes, you know, you had a hard upbringing and you were abused and all that. That is awful. And I don't want to minimize that. But a lot of people have those same upbringings, unfortunately, and they don't go on to kill people. Yeah. And I get those who hurt, hurt. I do get that. But again, at some point, you have to take responsibility. 
Yeah, and stop the cycle. Well, before we get into Donna's story, we have to talk about Lumi. And y'all know we love Lumi. Because you know what? You got to face it. Summer is not the only time that you get body odor in. We can get just as smelly under our favorite fall sweaters. That's why we are super excited that Lumi's whole body deodorant is back for your pits, your privates, and all of the above and below. You know we've talked about it. Lumi deodorant was created by an OBGYN who discovered odor wasn't just an underarm thing. So this amazing woman, she took it upon herself and she developed Lumi. And it's a pH-optimized deodorant that is clinically proven to control odor everywhere for up to 72 hours. So fall can be just as fresh. And y'all know we love the scents, but you can go scent-free or you can go some of this amazing scents. But that's what's so different about Lumi is that even though the products have scents, it is not just masking odor with fragrance. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop the odor before it even starts. So like we always say, it's a pre-odorant. It's in its pre-era. And we want to stress that it is pH balanced, so it's safe below the belt, around your belt, all the things, okay? Like every area that you kind of feel funky in, those are the areas that this can go. It's aluminum-free, baking soda-free, and paraben-free, and it's clinically proven to control odor better than a shower with soap alone. 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of 6 out of 10. With Lumi, the average odor level is a 0 out of 10. And y'all know we use Lumi. Y'all know we love the wipes. Donna loves the body wash. And Colby and I both use the sticks. Mm-hmm. I use the stick too. Like, seriously, all the freaking time. Because even if you don't feel like you have body odor, it's still something that we all think about. Like, oh, can you smell me? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, any of that. When you get nervous and stuff, that's like something that I think of. Can you smell me? Like, because I am so freaking nervous. But with the Lumi, it's okay. It gives you that confidence. So you're not worried about body odor. And the smells are amazing. Like I said, toasted coconut. And you can say that's only a summer scent. Not for me. That is year round. Lumi offers a starter pack, which is perfect if you're new to the Lumi family. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, which you know we love, a cream tube deodorant, which is amazing, and two free products of your choice. So stuff like, you know, you heard me and Donna love, the mini body wash, the deodorant wipes. You can pick your two free products of your choice, and it comes with free shipping. So right now, listeners of this podcast, if you're a new customer, you can get $5 off your Lumi starter pack with the code CREEP at LumiDeodorant.com. That's basically 40% off the starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and use promo code CREEP. And again, it's a season of gifting and all the things, so it would make the perfect stocking stuffer no matter who it's for. So go to Lumi Deodorant. That's Lumi Deodorant, L-U-M-E. D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. 
and use code creep. So for basically 40% off and free shipping, you got to head on over lumideodorant.com and use promo code creep. Okay, picture it. Nuremberg, Germany, 1828. It was May 26th, and on this day, Caspar Hauser appeared in the town square. Basically, walked out of the woods and into the middle of the city, just kind of wandering around. He was a teenager, around 16, and people noticed him because he stuck out, mostly because of the clothes he was wearing. They were outdated. They were really ratty. He looked like he had never changed out of those clothes, that kind of thing. Like, the shoes he was wearing were so terrible that his feet could be seen through him. So picture, you know, the holy sock with the toe coming out, but this was a shoe. His outfit was described as pantaloons, a silk necktie, a waistcoat, a gray jacket, and he had a handkerchief that was embroidered with the letters KH, his initials, obviously. And even though that sounds fancy, it was outdated and ratty and all the things. Also, he stood out because the light seemed to really hurt his eyes. So he was like squinting, trying to shield his face from the sun. And also, his gait was weird too. Like the way he walked, picture Bambi trying to walk. And this was a teenager. So, you know, people really remarked like, it looks like he's never walked a day in his life, you know. And so these people were like, who the fuck is this dude? Well, there wasn't much Casper could tell them, but he did have two letters in his possession, and they kind of told the Cliff Notes version of his life, if you will. One was addressed to a really powerful man, and he was the captain of the local cavalry, and his name was Captain Von Wessing. You know that I just recently learned the difference between cavalry and cavalry? Yeah. I thought it was the same word. I've been using those interchangeably, and I was like, what? (laughs) The Bible, like, Vacation Bible School, that I'm in the Lord's Army, like Mm -hmm. the Calvary. Yeah. That's the only reason I know that. Yeah. uh, No, it's Cavalry. Cavalry is Army. Cavalry is God. Wait, what? Yeah, I think. I thought it was like, the Lord's Army is the Calvary. And then cavalry is army. No, cavalry, C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, is a place just outside the walls of Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. Oh. On the battlefield, one could be sent in the cavalry. That's the... Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was literally like God's army kind of thing. No. Oh. I didn't know it was a place. That's according to the thing. Okay. Okay. This is on... Uh, merriamwebster.com it says cavalry c-a-l-v-a-r-y uh, is an open air representation of the crucifixion of Jesus an experience of usually intense mental suffering those are the two definitions wow okay and I thought like when you said that I was like yeah no I know it's religious didn't know that like literally thought it was <laughs> Lord's army <laughs> <laughs> hashtag grew up in the Bible Belt <laughs> okay so back to Casper He was not the friendly ghost, but people approached him, and he really couldn't say much. He would say the word horse, and 
he had these letters, you know? And so this one cobbler, you know, like the people who do the shoes, because he probably saw those shoes and said, what are those? Is that too old to reference? Probably. (laughs) But anyway, so he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you to the captain's house and we will deliver this letter. So they got there and they had to wait because, you know, he was a busy man doing out like the army shit and not at Calvary. Not there. Anyway, they were given some food. It was beer and sausage. Very German, you know. And instantly, Casper, like, he tried it and he spit it out. And it was just, like, too much for him. And so later on, they were like, you know what? Like, let's give him some stuff to settle his stomach. And he was given bread and water. And he ate that like he had never eaten before. So that might seem odd, you know, like, okay, so you didn't eat this, but you eat this until you found out what the letter said. Basically, it was written by this poor laborman who had taken Casper in when he was just a wee tot and provided him food and shelter. And he also taught Casper the belief of Christianity. So Casper did know the difference between cavalry and Calvary. So there's that. But the thing is, Casper wasn't allowed to leave the house ever. And the letter went on to say that if he couldn't become a soldier with the captain, just to hang him. What? Yeah, because he didn't have a penny to his name and his life wouldn't be worth living. That was his sole purpose, right? So they naturally open up the second letter, too which was written by Casper's mother when she left him at the stranger's house, that poor man who wrote the first letter. It was dated 1812, and the mother stated that she was so sorry, but she couldn't take care of Casper, and his father had died. But what she wanted was Casper to follow in his father's footsteps and go to Nuremberg and join the army. So this was all kinds of odd, and the captain did not welcome Casper into his home or his army, but instead they took him to the police station, just kind of to be like, we don't know what to do with him. And they were trying to find out more about Casper because, again, the whole situation is pretty sketch. But Casper really didn't have any answers. He would say, I don't know. He would repeat his name. He would say, horse, and he also knew a soldier like my dad. They proceeded to get him medically checked out just to see if there's anything else they could tell from that. And the people, like the medical staff, they were so shocked at how tender his feet were. Like, yeah, they were messed up from this walk, but other than that, the soles of his feet were so tender for a boy his age It was like he hadn't done any hard labor. He hasn't walked a lot. Like, this isn't normal. His knees and his legs had some odd bone structure. And the doctor said it seemed like he hasn't moved much at all. He had just sat or laid around all day. And that's what caused them to form like this. But other than that, he was healthy. Now, they really didn't know what to do with Casper. And so they kept him at this like local prison that they would keep like petty crimes and stuff because they knew he would get 
shelter, he would get food and water. And so he wouldn't just be out on the street. And after a few days of being in the police station, Casper, you know, he met the jailer's son, who was 11. And he took an interest in Casper, and he would spend hours trying to teach Casper more words and to speak German. And Casper was able to pick this up kind of quick. But then there was this professor who took him in, and he really wanted to help Casper. And so he did teach him more about reading and writing and language. What about arithmetic? (laughs) Probably not that. So about three months after he had been taken in by this professor, Casper opened up more about his life. He said that his room was very small and completely dark. It was almost like a cage, about six feet long, four feet wide, and five feet tall. He slept on a straw bed, and he didn't have anything other than a bucket to use the bathroom in. And he really wasn't allowed much interaction and, again, never able to leave that room. That's fucking awful. Yeah. And he said that he didn't know the man who was taking care of him because every time he would, like, enter the room, the man, he would make Casper face the wall Which reminded me of that uh, show that we watched. Yes, I was just thinking that. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. Anyway. LOL, that's not actually saying the show name because I can't think of it. Me either. (laughs) Creep Mom will know because she told us about it. But also, Casper was only fed bread and water, which is why he was, like, going to town on that. But his belly couldn't handle anything more rich. And... He said that sometimes the water would taste bitter, but he would fall asleep after that and he would wake up with his hair trimmed and his fingernails cut. So it was like his captor drug him so he could do all the things and like change his clothes, but he wouldn't be able to see his face. And it was so intriguing to learn about this. And he became known as like the feral boy. So doctors from all around would come to talk to Casper to see like the 16-year-old boy, but who was at that point, like that way back in the day, that was a man. You know, like you're 16, you're having to work, you're having to do all the things. And this 16-year-old was like a toddler. Mm -hmm. They said that he, you know, just didn't know everyday things. One time he saw a candle for the first time and he didn't understand that the fire could hurt him. So he put his fingers up to the flame and they got burnt. Another thing is he saw his reflection in the mirror and turned around to see who was behind him. You know, he didn't understand the concept of the mirror. And if he would see pictures, he would try to talk to the people in the pictures. He didn't understand the difference. Jesus. I mean, that's like some serious isolation that you don't even understand what a picture is. Yeah. Now, people remarked how kind-hearted Casper was, and he would get so upset if anyone killed a bug or anything. But if you think about it, being locked in a tiny room, you make friends like Cinderella did, and you don't want them to be hurt. You know, any kind of interaction is something you treasure. 
Jesus, I didn't even think about that. Like, I just was thinking he didn't understand the killing a bug, not that those were literally his friends. Yeah. Now, he couldn't read or write when, you know, he had got there, but he could write his name. How? Like, he could barely speak. Very weird. Yeah. I mean, not that you have to be able to speak to write. I mean, I know that. But I'm saying, like, he didn't even really know words. So, yeah. How did he know that? Now, he was kind of passed around from different noble families because, well, he was, you know, this strange, unusual person and now somewhat famous because, again, people would come in to see him and, like, try to understand more about him. But then there was a rumor that began to circulate, and that was that Casper was really the true prince of Badan, I think is how you say it. And it kind of lined up because when he was born in 1812, the the king of Badan, he and his wife had a child. Same year. Well, the child ended up dying like maybe three weeks after the birth, but we don't know if it was ever really alive. They like people said like, He was very pale. It was very this, you know, all the things. But they all believe there is a scandal where Casper was the prince, but he was switched with that dying baby and was hidden away to protect his identity. Why? Because he would be the last of that bloodline. Kind of like Man in Iron Mask style, but it's because... Another person wanted their other son to be the king. And so if this prince was out of here and like, oh, he's so sick. He's all the things like and oops, he goes away. And now the only person who stands to inherit it is their son. Mm -hmm. So they were like, this is a big scandal. And we all thought something was weird about it. And now this kid who has been kept in captivity is now here and, you know, like all the things. So it was like, oh, my God, is he really a prince? And how the fuck do you prove it in 1800 something? Right. So even though Casper had been taken in and things were looking up for him, strange shit kept happening to him. On October 17th, the day after Tiffany's birthday, but in 1829, Casper was attacked in the home he was staying at. He said there was a man who entered the house and tried to, like, cut his throat. But Casper ducked and the knife, like, instead just slashed his forehead. He said he didn't recognize the man who did this, but the man's voice sent chills down his spine because it was the man who had imprisoned him. I guess he, like, Tried it. Oh, I failed. And like left. Okay. So like Casper still survived. But shit like this would randomly happen to Casper. And so some of the families he stayed with kind of grew tired of the antics. And they said that Casper was a liar and that they thought he had fabricated this whole thing just to get the celebrity treatment he was receiving because he was with noble families and, you know, things like that. I mean, how could he? fake his physical impairments though true well also casper ended up being shot 
by a gun that he had accidentally discharged. Like, he didn't know the proper way or, you know, like that kind of thing. He didn't know shit. Of course he didn't know how to do a damn gun. Why did they have a gun around him? Well, the thing is, is that these instances that happened came shortly after people would voice their skepticism of his story. And so they were like, is he just making us feel sorry for him? So we, again, take him in and, like, overlook the things that, like, the red flags. Yeah. Now, let's fast forward to December 14th, 1833. So this was four years after Casper had, like, mysteriously appeared in Nuremberg. I really hope I'm saying that correctly. Sounds right. It was at nighttime, and Casper rushed inside the residence of the person he was staying at, staggering around and just kind of mumbling words. But he had a chest wound, and luckily the caregiver was there, and he was, like, asking him to explain what had happened, you know? And Casper could only force out some words, and he said, man stabbed, knife, Hofgarten, purse, and look quickly. And now, even though people were skeptical, they did go and check out because Hofgarten, I hope I'm saying that correctly, was a place, like it was a garden. And so they went and checked it out and there was a purse that was found in the area. And in the purse, there was a wallet. And it said that Casper will be able to tell you how I look, where I'm from. So to save him the effort, I'll tell you myself. I come from, and it had like two dashes. It says, I come from dash, 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 the Bavarian border. And then like a dash, dash on the river, dash, dash, dash. I will even tell you my name, M.L.O. Now, this letter was written in mirror writing, so it was backwards. So some people were like, this is further proven that he was the rightful prince, and this is basically like an assassination. Like, he could tell you what I look like, you know, like, I'll give you a little bit, but, you know, all the things. Um, But others were like, no, that is in Casper's own handwriting, and he had misspelled words that he did misspell. And it's all a big hoax, and he was mentally deranged. Which is it? (laughs) So people had been side-eyeing the letters that he originally came with, because upon further inspection, those letters looked to be written by the same person, not, you know, this man and then his mom. And they also seemed to be the same kind of age. You know, like if one was 16 years older, You would think it would have more wear and tear and, you know, it wouldn't be the exact same paper, all of that. And then also there were some doctors who were skeptical at how fast Casper caught on to the language and writing because they're like, if he was for real a, quote, feral child, he would have more delays than what he has, in their opinion. And then people were like, well, these wounds that he had been randomly getting from these random attacks might have been self-inflicted, but this one, he might have accidentally just went too deep on it, which reminded me of Scream, like at mm-hmm. the end when it's like, you cut me too deep, man, you cut me too deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you can plan all you want, but then shit happens. 
And unfortunately, Casper died just three days after he had been stabbed. And his headstone reads, Here lies Casper Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown. His death, mysterious. That's fucking it. Well, I'm going to tell you one other little part. So in 1996, there were some scientists who tested Casper's, like, blood on his clothes that he died in. And they compared it to the descendants of the Badan family. No relation. (gasps) So that theory was no more. However, in 2002, it came to light that the bloodstains that were originally tested were not taken from Casper's clothes at all. So they like had some more, they had like a hat and something else of his. And there was actually some hair in that hat. And it revealed to be a 95% match to the Badan family. Oh my God. So So many twists and turns. I know. So they're like, what? You know, like it wasn't a direct match, but it was so much that, I mean, 95%. So then they're like, so he really was, you know, taken away. And, you know, it could have been for his protection. But then why did that man just like imprison him again? Like man in the iron mask, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because there's a difference in like, hey, go away here and be wherever. But also, if it was a person who wanted her son to be the king. She didn't want to kill him, but she didn't care what happened to him. So it was like, just don't ever let him, you know, don't let him know who he is. Don't let him know all the things. And so we still don't know who Casper Hauser was. Was he a prince who was kept in isolation? Was he just a grifter who wanted to live the good life? You know, Or maybe he was both. Who knew? Like, who knows? But what if he had, like, the Munchausen syndrome going on? Because that's what I thought about during this. Because he could have been isolated and all of that, but it might have been something different. I don't know. But he got that sympathy. He got that celebrity. He got all of that. And so it was like, okay. And so he couldn't live a normal life. You know, if he was going to be normal, then he would have to do something else. Like, let me get the sympathy again and again and again. And nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. Like the letters that he got, the, you know, like all of, all of it just doesn't make sense. So I really feel like he did do the self-inflicted wound and it was too deep. I feel like he didn't mean to die because, I mean, he had only lived for five years or four years as a celebrity, you know, like living the good life. So I don't think he wanted that to go away. I think he wanted that to stay and it just was a mistake, but he really could have been the prince and he just didn't know. Right. Also, Munchausen's disorder is called factitious disorder now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Or factitious disorder by proxy if it's like somebody else. Yeah. This is why I keep carrying around on the podcast. Well, I mean, I Googled it. I didn't remember the name. I just knew that that wasn't the name anymore. I just couldn't remember the actual name. (laughs) But this was so bizarre because why would the man, if he did, like, keep him captive, why would he be like, one day, hey, we're going to go. Just keep walking. 
Right. You know, keep walking. But what if Casper really had been kept, but he didn't know, like, what to do? And so he did make up those letters, like, trying to do, you know what I mean? Like, trying to make it sound better, you know, or like, oh, okay, it says to go live with this guy and, you know, whatever, because he loved horses and he, you know, all of that. So he really did want to be a cavalry man. So I don't know. Like, it's so bizarre. Yeah, I I don't know either. It's so bizarre. And like, still, people are like, no, he was, you know, a trickster. It was all a hoax. And then other people are like, no, he was royalty. And this was such a scandal. Well, here's my question. So you said he had physical changes from being imprisoned all these years, right? Yeah. So, like, could they not look at his corpse as now and be like, no, these are actual developmental delays that he had in his bones or whatever from lack of vitamin D from the sunlight or, you know, like, I feel like now they could look to be like, okay, was he really in prison for this long? And then that's like your decision tree. Like, was he in prison this long? Yes. Okay. Was he in prison? So if the answer is yes, then was it because he was royal or was it because somebody is just a psychopath? Or if it's no, then it's a hoax, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But also, when people lie, first of all, let them lie because they're always going to like show it somehow. So that is something that I learned from my friend who does polygraphs. When somebody's lying, let them lie because they will tell you that they're lying. You just got to give them enough time. Five years is a long time to keep the ruse up. Ruse? Ruse. Ruse? Whatever the word is, it's a long time to keep that shit up. Yeah. But I don't know. He was doing it with different people, though. Yeah. Because he was bouncing around, it would be easier to keep it up. Yeah. But that's a long time to keep that up. It is. Because even if it was a ruse, and like just, I feel like since he did have difficulty and things like that he might have been kept and like what if he escaped and he just didn't want to go back or you know whatever and now he's living this life and so he is like keeping it up as much as he could but i feel like you would even still know because you'd be like having dinner or something and somebody would make a pop culture joke and he'd be like oh wait i shouldn't know what that is you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) because how did he know how to write his name i don't know that's so weird that's the thing for me how did he know how to write his name yes but then also it's like did he actually know how to write his name touche you know we don't know but then it's also weird like yeah the water tasted weird and then i'd wake up you know like i mean i guess he wouldn't know the word poisoned but if he knows enough to say that like if he knows enough to say the water tasted bitter, which I mean, that may not be the exact words that he used. But he's learning all of this stuff. And so it's like he was able to finally say, oh, bitter, that's what that tastes like. That's what that water tasted like. Also, question of all questions for this story. Okay. How did he think? Because you think in English. Someone who knows oh. Spanish thinks in Spanish. Someone who knows German knows thinks in German. Someone who's bilingual maybe think in all the languages. Yeah. What were his thoughts? Oh. Like, I think about that with, like, Helen Keller before she learned all the things. Like, what are their thoughts? Yeah, like their inner monologue. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
That is a good question. Let's do a Ouija board and see if he can answer. Fuck that. <laughs> you don't know German? Well, no. Okay. But we can write it down and we got Google Translator. Then you'd be taking your hands off the damn planchette. No, ma'am. Well, we'd need someone to sit there and take the dictation. Okay. No, thank you. This is a good one. I liked this one. Oh, I'm glad. Well, I hope y'all did too. And we needed something kind of light. Oh, my God. Mine was horrible. Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't go second this time. Woo! Yeah, those two were terrible. Great recommendation, though. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, because, I mean, I hadn't heard of them. And that was just, I mean, across state lines, like multiple states. So torturous. Ugh. And again, no rhyme or reason to the crimes. Yeah, very disorganized. Well, thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.